Well, many of you know that uh, I oversee the care line team as part of my role here at church. And um, if you guys don't know what the care line team is, it's basically a um, prayer line where we take calls from all around Australia and um, we pray for people, uh, Christians and non-Christian people, uh, in their time of need. We can also connect people to a local church and... Um, we are losing track of what I'm thinking. We can refer people to uh, additional support if they need. And uh, we can also answer people's questions if they're you know, searching about Christianity and what that means. We, we can help you know, to the best of our ability answer those questions and help get people that little bit closer to Christ. So it's a great thing that, that I get to be a part of. And so four times a year we meet as a, as a care line team and um, the whole team comes together and those meetings are really important because many of our volunteers work from home or work in call centres in churches. So the, the idea of coming together and seeing people face to face is, is really important and where we can, can encourage each other and do some training and all that sort of thing. So recently we had a meeting just a couple of weeks ago and we had some external training on the morning and we got uh, in a couple of people from the Mental Illness Fellowship. So I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of them before, but they're a fantastic organisation and they do similar things to us uh, where they, they can talk to people over the phone who are uh, dealing with a mental illness. And on that day, we, we had a lady come and she shared her story about having uh, multiple personality disorder. And she shared what it is like to live with a mental illness and basically some tips that we as volunteers can use when we're talking to people who have a mental illness, maybe some boundaries that we can put up as well. Uh, but as she shared her story, um, she shared that for 15 years she's suffered from having multiple personalities and she mentioned that she's got 13 personalities that go on in her mind and um, she every day has to keep those personalities in line, that they don't take control and, and take her somewhere where she doesn't want to go. And um, she is on things like medication, which is, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, but she also has to put techniques in her life each and every single day just to keep her mind focused and, and you know, in the direction that God wants her to go in. And so she shared on the day that um, one technique that her psychologist has given her in dealing with these different personalities is that she's not allowed to feel guilty anymore. And it sounds like a simple thing to say, but when she said that, I was like, that's a really interesting comment, that she's actually not allowed to let herself feel guilty anymore for anything in her life. You see, guilt for her resembled being abused when she was a little girl, and so her stepfather Unfortunately, it's a horrible story, but her stepfather abused her when she was younger. And uh, he told her things that, I'm doing this because you're not doing the right thing, because you've been a bad girl and, and you've, you've, you've been mean to your mother or whatever uh, you know, thing he wanted to throw at her, which were all false and lies. Um, but it made her feel guilty and that she deserved to be abused then because of that. And one of the techniques that her psychologist now uses is that whenever guilt comes into her mind, she has to go, hold on a second, no, 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 I'm not actually going to choose to take that on anymore because I'm not allowed to feel guilty anymore. And, you know, I was thinking about that. I was sitting up the back doing the PowerPoint presentation for her and I was thinking, you know what? 
that's just not true just only for her in her life, but I really believe that that's such a powerful statement that we actually, as followers of Christ, aren't allowed to feel guilty anymore for the things in our life as well. That we actually can put that same principle into practice and go, you know what, that's actually true for me in my life, that God has actually enabled me not to feel guilty anymore. You know, that word guilty, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it talks about a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offence, crime or wrong, and get this, whether real or imagined. And I'm not saying here that obviously when we do wrong that we're not to take responsibility for that. I'm not saying that we're to get out of things scot-free if we've done the wrong thing. But I think how fascinating it is that even the dictionary says that we can have a feeling uh, and experience, we can carry emotions around something that's going on for us that, that, may not possibly we, that we may not possibly need to feel guilty over. We can be carrying thoughts and I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that, I'm not good enough, oh, I, I did the wrong thing there, I didn't talk to that person, whatever it is. We can be carrying around all this stuff in our head, carrying that weight and that burden for something that possibly isn't even real and the other person might not even think that of us and it's actually a lie that the enemy throws at us. You know, we can experience things like false guilt on a regular basis. I was thinking about how often if we go out for dinner and you uh, have a beautiful main meal at someone's house and then out comes this decadent, beautiful dessert. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I want to eat that chocolate mug cake. That is so good. I'm pregnant at the moment, so anything that comes my way food-related is, is very good all the time. I'm starving, so I will eat anything. But then you put that, that cake in your mouth and it melts in your mouth. And then all of a sudden the guilt comes in. Oh, I can feel my pants getting tighter already. Oh, that eating plan's got out of the way. I've stuffed up everything. I'm going to have to go right back to the start. I'm never going to be able to work this thing off. And all of a sudden... That guilt takes away your enjoyment of life. Like you're actually not enjoying the cake anymore because you're thinking all the ways you've got to work that off, why you shouldn't be eating that cake, why it's not good for you, whatever it is. And there's this false guilt that we kind of put on our life. Do people agree here? We, we do do this, don't we? I know, you, I know you guys agree. But, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, never makes us feel guilty in life. You know, the Holy Spirit, I believe is someone that uh, convicts us and points out our wrongs gently uh, and then deposits in us a desire or a motive to want to change that for the better. You know, I remember when I was talking to Kathy Vass, who's our prayer pastor here in the ki staff kitchen one day, and I was sharing with her how I was feeling guilty about not being able to attend a meeting that some of the other staff were going to. And I felt responsibility, like that I should be there, but I knew that it actually wasn't the wisest thing in my personal life for me to be out five or six nights that week. I needed to put a boundary light in. And, but I was saying to her how guilty I felt that I wasn't going to be there. And Kathy said to me, Camille, that, that's not of Jesus. Like, he doesn't make you feel bad about those things. He doesn't, you know, condemn you and say, you bad person for not going to that meeting. That's not the nature of the Holy Spirit. So you've got to kind of put that aside and go, no, I'm going to live by the convictions of my life instead. I'm not going to live to those lies anymore. You know, the Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies, that he will do anything he can 
to make you feel bad about yourself, about the way you dress, about the way you look, about the way you talk, the way you live your life. The enemy will do anything he can to kind of just throw things at you on a continual basis to make you feel guilty. But the Holy Spirit is not like that at all. The Holy Spirit just convicts us and says, hey, have you actually thought that there's a better way right now? Like, yes, maybe you, you didn't do the right thing here, but that's okay, I still love you. Why don't you look at this as another option for your life? You know, I remember when I was 17, which was just, you know, a couple of years ago now, that um, I, I regularly went out on the weekend and um, uh, it was a normal thing for me to go out to parties with my friends and to drink with them. I know horrified of you are of me, I'm, I'm sure. But that was part of my normal life, that, that we would go out and we would, we would drink together. And then when I became 18, I gave my my life to Jesus and I made a decision for Christ and so I would then be straight back there on the weekends with my friends and into the party scene and compromised by alcohol coming my way and you know I knew that that wasn't the right thing to do I didn't really understand why I wasn't meant to drink anymore but I knew that being a Christian maybe wasn't the best thing for me um, but I was compromising that moment and I wanted to have a drink because that's what I did with my friends. That's what we did on a Friday and Saturday night. And I didn't know any better. And I used to come home uh, many times and hop into bed. And I maybe had a drink or two that night. And I'd be like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm, I'm so bad. I've done the wrong thing. I pray that you would forgive me for making that decision. I know I wasn't meant to do it, but I wanted to do it. And I'm just, I feel so horrible. And, you know, night after night, weekend after weekend, you know, I used to feel that way. Um, but then one night after I'd ranted and raved to God continuously, you know, again, I just heard the Holy Spirit. And it was one of the first things, first times I actually heard him. And, and he said, Camille, like, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I, I love you anyway. Like, I love you whether you drink or don't drink. I love you no matter what decision you're going to make in your life. But if you thought about maybe your friend Bridget right now, who's going through a really tough time in her life, and maybe if you didn't have that drink, you could listen to her story and hear where she's at in her life. And Camille, do you know what? That I believe that you can change your friend's life if you maybe choose not to drink and you can show them that there is another way to live your, their lives. And something in me went off in my heart where I was like, I am a kingdom changer for God. I can make a difference. And I can do that by maybe making one choice in my life not to drink. But the Holy Spirit didn't condemn me. It didn't make me feel bad about the actions that I'd done. He just gave me another way to look at things and to go, oh, you know what? I could be there for Bridget right now. I could help her in her life and <clears throat> listen to what she's got to say um, and, and even offer my friends another option because they didn't have another option in their life. It was just going out on a Friday and Saturday night to drink and that was the only option they had. But God had created me and called me into that world so that I could say, hey guys, you know, have you thought about this as another alternative to the way that you're living? And yes, I got um, flack for that and got criticised and sometimes it was really difficult. But that, that point in my life where the Holy Spirit didn't condemn me, he just convicted my heart and said, hey, have you thought about another way? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't make us feel guilty. He doesn't make us feel bad. He just gives us another way that we can live.
So when I heard those words that that lady said on that night at that Caroline training meeting, that you don't have to feel guilty anymore, I felt that God whispered that into my own heart. And I pray this morning that God is going to do that to you, each and every single one of you. See, I've been a Christian for, for some time now, but it's funny how old habits can come back into our life. That old way of thinking can come back in, that we can believe sometimes what the enemy says about us, those accusations and things that he will throw at us. And sometimes that, that guilt, we just kind of get used to kind of carrying it around, like you're kind of a bit lopsided because you're, you're heavy burden and you're carrying something that's not real. And for each one of us, that, that guilt or that condemnation may look differently. But you know, I believe that Jesus wants to flick that off because there's power in when we see ourselves the way God sees ourselves. There's power when we shift our focus and say, hold on a second, that's a lie and an accusation. I don't have to actually believe that anymore. And I can just flick that off and like kind of just rolls off your back and I can keep walking and going, but this is the truth. This is the way I'm going. And I tell you what, church, that when we do that, we're unstoppable. See, the enemy will do anything he can to lie and deceive you. But when you believe the truth, well, he can't come up against that because it's the word of God. It's a solid foundation. And he can't accuse us of that. And so right now I want us just to turn to the word. And very quickly for the last five or so minutes, I just want us to um, hold on to some teachings of why we don't need to feel guilty anymore, why we can live this guilt-free life and what the word says about that. So if you are taking notes this morning, my first point, and I've only got two, is that we can live a guilt-free life because we know whose we are. As I said before, the enemy will do anything he can to throw things at us of not being good enough, questioning our ability, throwing thoughts of us of what we should or shouldn't be doing. He's renowned for putting a false guilt on us and a false expectation of the way we're meant to live. But when we know whose we are, when we know that we are the children of God, that we're loved, that we're accepted, just because we're God's child, well, those thoughts begin to lose their effectiveness. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. I hope you will come up on the screen. Thanks, Sam. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, we have the power, guys, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Just like that lady with 13 different personalities going on in her mind has the ability to take captive each one of those 13 different thoughts that might be happening simultaneously in her life. She, she has the power to take those captive and make them obedient to what the Word of God says. When we know whose we are, we know who our dad is. And we know that we are children of God. And so we can say go in the name of Jesus to those thoughts that aren't true. When we know whose we are, we have a right perspective of ourselves. And we begin to actually see ourselves in the way that God sees us. We, we see the face of God clearly. And then we get to see who we are in that light as well. Secondly, we rest in our salvation and our baptism. And some of us are going to go through that in just a few moments' time. But Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. So many of us here today have confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believed in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and so we are saved. We no longer need to worry, oh, did I really make that decision? Was that really the choice I made? Did I really stand up and say I want Christ? We don't need to wonder, are we justified by faith right now? Am I sanctified by the blood of God? Well, yes, you are because you confessed with your mouth and you believed with your heart that Jesus is Lord. And so it's done. You don't need to go back or wonder, you know, am I, am I not? No, you are. This is the truth. This is what the word says. If you confess with your mouth, and believe with your heart, then you are saved. And so that is our power right there, the word of God. It's like, no, 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 this is what the word says, and so this is what I'm believing. I'm going this way. I'm not going that way anymore. When we get baptised as well, we publicly declare this truth, and that's what Kelly and Hudson are going to do in just a couple of moments' time. We say yes to God and confess that we believe in him, and that's why baptism is so powerful because not only Hudson and Kelly are witnessing it, but we are witnessing publicly their declaration, their love for God. And so we are witnesses to that faith and that love of Christ that is, that is in their hearts. And at that moment in that tank, as we're going to see, something powerful happens. We leave in that tank our old life, our old way of stinking thinking, our old patterns of living, those lies that the enemy has thrown in at us, they're all going to stay in that tank, that they're actually not allowed to come out after we, we, we are raised out of the water. They, they, they stay in there, but we come out. And at that moment, we walk in the truth of what God says about us. We move from our old life to our new life in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18. I'm going to read from the Message Bible, but going to put it up in the NIV. It says, therefore, oh, we got it. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. That's all to look forward to for those getting baptised. And last scripture I want to give you guys is Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 23. And it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love that. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That's what we're going to see. So church today, as we baptise people, we witness a divine exchange. We leave in that tank our old self, and we put on our new self as we come out, which is guilt-free and based in the truth of what God says about us. 
Romans 6, 4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For some of us here today, we made that decision long ago. But I pray that today is a reminder that when you actually see Hudson and Callie be raised out of that tank, that it actually takes you back to that truth of your salvation and your baptism as well. That you go, hey, that's true of me and my life as well. That that old self, that old Camille was put in that tank and that new Camille has come up now. And so right now I pray that that's even a reminder for you that that old way of thinking, maybe that guilt that the enemy puts on, those lies, that false guilt that's not true, that when you see Hudson and Kelly go down, you're like, I'm, I'm going down there too. That's my life down there as well. And I'm coming out you know, at, on the top as well. I'm coming out in the truth of what God says about me. You know, church, I really want to leave you with those words that you don't have to feel guilty anymore either. Just like that lady who um, I shared at the start, you know, going through what she's going through and she's living her life by that, that testimony, by that truth that I don't need to feel guilty anymore. That's the same for each and every single one of us, that the old life is gone, the new life is here, and you can actually live a life that is guilt-free and powerful in Christ, powerful of what the Word says, powerful in His truth. And man, when you do that, you're unstoppable. The enemy actually has no grip, like you're slippery, can't get his hands on you because you're basing your life on what the word says, not on feelings, not on circumstances, but on truth. And that's what we've got to base our life on. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you right now for your word. We thank you for your truth this morning, Lord. And Father, we thank you for baptism. We thank you, Lord, that each one of us here today and many of us have made that decision Lord, we thank you that there is a divine exchange this morning, that our old life is gone and our new life is here. And Lord, we thank you that it's only because of you, Jesus. It's only because of your sacrifice. It's only because of your glory, Lord, that we are transformed into who we are today. And Lord, we give you praise for that. And Father, I pray as well, just lastly, if there is anyone here that's carrying false guilt and false pressure, a false expectation of what they should be like or shouldn't be like, what they should have said, what they should have done with their life many years ago, that, Lord, you would release them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that they are a new creation in you and that you love them and you accept them and you affirm them just as they are. And, Lord, we thank you for that, God. May they be set free this morning in your truth. In your name we pray. Amen.